Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I, I got a lot of grief this week from my dad. He said, you gave your favorite verses. Is that it? You're just going to have unfavorite verses from now on? I said, you just got to go with it sometimes. And then what did I do? I, I, I came up with this great title, How to Party. I, I like my title of my sermon today, How to Party. The problem is the better you get to know me, the more you'll be like, uh, Dorothy, I don't think you know this subject very well. I'm not sure you're the right one. And I'm not sure which one of y'all is the right one to ask either. But let me just say, although I did think that Liz might be a good choice. <laughs> but <I'll suck> <laughs> um, Anyhow, we're not listening to my instructions. We're going to listen to Jesus' instructions. Listen to this passage from Luke 14, verse 1, 7 through 14. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader to the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the place of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down in the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do you invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give invite, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. Well, as far as I can tell from this passage, we get two, two distinct instructions. One is sit in a place of least prestige. Two, when giving a party, invite those who cannot invite you back. So we're going to look at both of these and consider how we today in the world we live in might take these into consideration. You see, sometimes it's pretty easy to see, just not easy to do. 
First, I want to talk about sitting in the place of less prestige. I was trying to decide where the most prestige place was, and I decided it's with the ushers in the back. <laughs> Have you ever known that how we, we kind of move towards the back? It's hard for me to say that sitting up front in a church is considered the best place to sit because either it's the best place and everybody but just a couple know you're not supposed to sit up there or we have lost that kind of sense. But the truth of the matter is there is something very important about being up front and I want to share with you what one Chinese Protestant church did in response to this. Years ago, I had some friends who went to China. And when they went there, they were going with a church group and they went to visit different churches. And when they got to this Chinese church, they found something was that they were ushered to the very front row. Now, I want you to listen to, to my, my sermon today to hear that that subject of coming to the front row will come back again. They were ushered to the very front row and one of them said, why are you putting us on the front row? You know how you kind of get terrified that somehow they're going to they're gonna make you do this and that and whatever. And it was a packed house. I mean, maybe it was because there was no other place to sit. But they were told, no, we saved these for first-time visitors. If you're a second-time visitor, you get the second row. They said, the longer you are in church, the farther back you are, because we figure that if you hear the word, that is the most important thing for those who are new to faith. So we put the youngest faith experienced closer to hear the word better. And we, we find that we are growing so much we don't have enough room for everybody so the elders of our church they stand outside and listen through the windows can you imagine being given the sense that your place you've been here all the time you're the greatest giver to the church you give all your time to the church you're around all the time and where do they place you outside of the building well, I'm telling you, that is a church that has come to understand the right things about having placed. The least shall be first. Second, I want to tell you another story about where somebody understood this least shall be first. This is an old book, okay, Invitation to Live by Lloyd Douglas. I loved Lloyd Douglas. I read everything he wrote that I could get my hands on. I'm not sure any of it is still in print, but it was, it was very transformative. He was a, a pastor who wrote novels, and he really touched my life. Most of you will have heard of him because of The Robe. That's the most well-known of his books, and he had a movie made out of it. But, you know, even then... I mean, you know, all of us are in the youth group when it comes to Lloyd Douglas. 
However, let me just say, this book, Invitation to Live, was about a young girl named Barbara. Barbara, she was sitting at the beginning of this book in a lawyer's office hearing about her grandmother's will. Her grandmother had left all that she owned, which was a lot, to her granddaughter. She figured her children had enough. She was going to jump a generation and give it to her granddaughter. And with it came a letter, and it says, This is yours. I cannot do anything to stop you from answering my request. But before you accept this, I ask that you go to Chicago. She lived in New York. Go to Chicago. Go to church on Sunday, 11 o'clock, and... Um, Make it on this particular Sunday. She didn't go to church. She didn't want to go to church. She didn't want to go to Chicago. She had friends and things to do. But this was her beloved grandma, and she was leaving her a fortune. So she goes to Chicago, and she gets there, and it's a huge church, and it's got lots of people coming. And the usher comes up to her and says, You're Barbara, right? This was not a great start as far as she was considered. And he said, we have reserved a seat for you. And she's like, okay. And they take her down the long aisle and they put her on the front row. And on the front row, she sits there and there's one of those really tall pulpits. And she's looking up like this, having to strain her neck to see the pastor. And the pastor begins to preach about blessed are the poor. And she's like, my grandmother wanted me to come and hear a sermon on blessed are the poor? And she listened, and he talked about it. And her heart began to be worried because he talked about how do you know that your friends love you for you or for all that you have if you're not poor. Now, I have been very blessed. I don't know that I would call myself rich, but I kind of think all of us in this country are rich to our own extent, except some that have been very, very hindered. And as I look about it, I think, I believe that my friends are my friends. I don't think they would leave me in bad times. But what about making friends with people who don't have much? After the service, she went and asked if she could talk to the pastor, and he went, she went back into his office, and she talked to him more, and finally she decided that she needed to become poor. Have any of you had that moment? When you looked at your life and you said, I think I'm going to give up what I have. So she goes to a thrift store and she trades her car with one of the workers. And she trades her clothes. She gives her clothes to the worker and takes clothes from the thrift shop. And she gives up her apartment to the woman. Her name was Sally, just in case you were wondering. <coughs> And she decides to travel the world and see how she will be treated if she has given all away. I don't recommend this. 
But I don't say it's actually a bad idea. But what I do know is that sometimes we need to understand that there needs to be a movement from one way to the other. And in this first example, we hear Jesus talking about a wedding banquet. And in this wedding banquet, he is saying, do not sit in the place of honor. Do not sit in the place of honor. So this is the first instruction on how to have, how to party. Don't make yourself the most important person in the room. No matter what, lift up others. God wants us to lift up others. My parents had some friends who throw these massive Christmas parties every year. And I, as a young person, didn't like going to parties except for when the Mortons had a party. And I liked going to the Morton's party. Do you know why I liked going to the Morton's party? Because of Mr. Morton. Oh, I just adored Mr. Morton. Mr. Morton would always greet you, I mean, in the midst of all these people, as if you were the most important person there. And he was so excited. And you know what? You were always good looking. You were always the most beautiful person in the room. And you felt it as if he really, really believed it, as if everybody was the most important person there. And I felt truly welcomed. So we begin with the welcome that is received by the Lord, and then we turn it around. You see, what happens with Jesus is Jesus says, look, I'm going to treat you in this way. I'm going to bring up those who are in the back, those who don't have much. And that's how I do it. Now, what are you going to do when you have a party? And it says, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. I don't think I've ever had an occasion where I didn't invite any of these. Do not invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. Some of those I've invited. I mean, that's who I invite to parties. And he said, in that case, they may invite you in return, which they sometimes do. And you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. How do we do that? We begin by seeing them. Seeing them in our world and recognizing them. I had a, a wonderful woman in my last church. And she said, Dorothy... You're going to tell this story in another church, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> she said, I didn't, I didn't do it, so you'd tell the story. I said, I know. So I'm not telling you who she is. So she might have her anonymity. She was just wonderful, and she loved to give presents. And 
she had decided for Christmas that she would give some gift certificates to Chick-fil-A. Now, doesn't that sound like a good present? She was going to give gift certificates to Chick-fil-A, and she had a bunch of these chick these, and you know how if somebody shows up at your house and they have a present and you want to give them something, you have something ready sometimes? She had Chick-fil-A gift certificates ready to give anybody. You know, she figured it covered most of the board. And so she had these, and it was a rainy, ugly-looking day, and she was doing her dishes, and she was looking out the kitchen window, and Christmas was coming close, and she had all the lights decorated and, and everything, and just in the mood, you know? And she looked out, and she saw a garbage truck. And she thought, who remembers them at Christmas? And what about on this terrible, yucky day? Who would want to be, because one of them was standing on the back of the garbage truck. You know how you do that? Who would want to be standing in the rain on a garbage truck getting the garbage up? So what does she do? She grabs those gift certificates and she runs out. And she says, I have a present for you. And she says, they looked at her with this amazing sense of what? And she said, oh, oh, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. And she gave each of them the gift certificate. And she turned around and she saw this young man crying. And she said, are you okay? She says, I don't think anybody cared. She said, you know, I didn't realize it. But those gifts meant more to me than anything I gave that Christmas. She went and brought in, in her own way, someone who was at the end. We have a wonderful ministry here called Grateful Bread. I am right, right? Grateful Bread? And Grateful Bread, many of us here at the church get together. But we also open the doors to invite that we who are hosting might invite someone we don't even know. I've been thinking about this. How do I, how do I know who I don't know? <laughs> I'm really struggling with that right now around here. You know, who is it that I don't know that I haven't met? Who are you? And how do I get to know you well enough to say, come to my house for dinner? Well, I know that God will open the door for us to know how to do that in different ways. And I know that when we welcome the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, that we will be blessed. Sometimes when we invite people that we do not anticipate connecting with, we will find that we have a lot in common. Sometimes we will find that we have absolutely nothing in common. 
but we are all God's children. So on this just beautiful day and gift of God, let's consider the parties of our life. Let us realize that there is really no greater party than worshiping the Lord. You know, I just sometimes want to say, umph, umph, guys, let's sing with more umph, because we are having this amazing opportunity to party in praise to the Lord. Umph. Y'all are pretty good at it. Maybe some of the best I've ever seen, but it could get better. We need to think of the joy of the greatest moments of our life, the times that we had the best, and bring that joy and thanksgiving into how we share with one another on a daily basis and particularly on Sunday. I had a, I had a party that was still the most favorite party I have ever gone to. And I, okay, I admit it, I was the center of attention. <laughs> I mean, don't we like it? If it's done well. A woman had just lost her husband and her favorite day was Valentine's. And she said, Dorothy, I refuse to not allow my favorite day to be messed up because I lost my husband, but I just cannot take joy over a romantic relationship at this time. So I've decided that this Valentine's Day, I am going to celebrate you. I think she looked at this bottom verse and she said, ooh, this is who I need to bring. <laughs> and she said, so what I want you to do is I want you to pick the people closest to you and I don't want you to necessarily think inside the church. I want you to invite your family and your friends and we're going to go up to the club in Birmingham, Alabama and I'm going to have a dinner and we're going to celebrate Valentine's Day. We get there and every place around it, lots of flowers on the table, beautiful centerpieces, all appropriately low so you can see each other. And there were favors on every seat. I didn't get anything more than anybody else. I, I kind of like that. I didn't get highlighted in any way at this occasion. I wasn't sitting anywhere special. I wasn't even sitting next to her. And she had games and activity. I'm like, games? We're playing games at Valentine's Club while we're sitting up here having this nice lunch at the club? And she was like, absolutely, we're having fun. She said, I am celebrating your life, your friend's life, and the life God gave me and my husband. Let us bring this life of humility and hospitality to all those around us. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, as I come before you today, 
I ask that we in our own ways learn how to be the one who invites those who cannot give back. Invite those who are in need or lonely or hurt to invite those that we just want to get to be closer to, to be a part of our lives in whatever way you open our heart to. In Jesus' name.